Today I have for you a, shall we say, old papal bull. It was written by Pope Innocent IV. It was promulgated in the mid-13th century. In fact, it was actually promulgated twice. I'm not sure why. Once in September of 1247 and then again uh, a few weeks later on the 1st of October of that same year. The, I'm bringing this to you because, one, I wanted to go back to the Middle Ages a little bit instead of just handling the you know anti-modernist popes like Leo XIII and Pius X and the rest, but also because the, one of the things we're seeing is the, the religious orders, the nuns, the monks, the, the consecrated religious of all kinds, they're going through some interesting times right now in the church, and they're being governed in interesting ways by the papacy. And it's a marked difference from what we saw historically. This document gives you is a letter from the Pope to the Carmelite, to the Carmelites. It looks like to the monastic order of Carmelites as opposed to nuns, detailing how they should be governed, how they should rule themselves. And it's very different sounding than anything we hear today. And you'll hear a little bit of what I would call like papal speak at the beginning, followed by the Pope enumerating certain rules they need to follow. And then after a few of those kind of mundane, bland rules, you get to the meat of the matter. And that's kind of what I want to focus on because we don't hear much of that anymore in the church today. We don't hear that, especially in regards to the religious orders. I mean, how often do you see monks and nuns and habits anymore? I mean, think about that. Contrast the modern post-conciliar religious, what we see with that, to what we see in this encyclical. And then bear in mind the Carmelites in well, who were in Pennsylvania who have returned to Nebraska. And keep them in your prayers, please. Que honorem conditores omnium. Whatever is for the honor of the creator of all, by Pope Innocent IV promulgated in the year 1243. Everything for the glory of the Creator and the benefit of souls merits support in every way, especially those things in which it is known that the Apostolic See has shown particular interest. Through our beloved son Hugh, Cardinal Priest of St. Sabina, and our venerable brother William, Bishop of Antaridos, we have your request that certain dubious points of your rule be clarified and corrected, that certain onerous obligations to be compassionately changed. All this is revealed in the letter which they, the revisers, composed. By apostolic authority, we comply with Carmel's pious desires, confirming the said clarifications, corrections, and mitigations. These we support by this present letter. Further, we include in verbatim form the revisers' answers to you Carmelites, to wit, Hugh, by mercy of God, Cardinal Priest of St. Sabina, and William, by the same mercy, Bishop of Antaridos, offer salutation to him who is the welfare of all his beloved sons in Christ, the religious prior general and definitors of the general chapter of the Order of Brothers of Carmel. Clerics of your order, Reginald and Peter, approached the apostolic see and humbly requested the Pope to clarify and correct certain points of doubt contained in your privilege and change certain onerous elements contained in the rule bestowed upon you by the late Albert, Patriarch of Jerusalem. In response to your devout request, the Pope entrusted to us the work of making clarification, correction, and mitigation in his name, keeping in mind the best interests of your order and the welfare of your brothers. 
By the authority communicated to us, therefore, we command your order to receive devoutly and to observe dutifully the rule as corrected, clarified, and mitigated, as it appeared to us appropriate. Also, we command to correct other copies of your rule in accord with this final draft, which we forward to you under our seals through your brothers. The text of Carmel's mitigated rule. Albert, called by God's favor to be patriarch of the Church of Jerusalem, bids goodness in the Lord and the blessing of the Holy Spirit to his beloved sons in Christ, and the other hermits under obedience to him who live near the spring on Mount Carmel. Many and varied are the ways in which our saintly forefathers laid down how everyone, whatever his station or the kind of religious observance he has shown, should have a life of allegiance to Jesus Christ, how pure in heart and stout in conscience he must be unswerving in the service of his teacher. It is to me, however, that you have come for a rule of life, in keeping with your avowed purpose, a rule you may hold fast to henceforward, and therefore, the first thing I require is for you to have a prior, one of yourselves, who is to be chosen for office by common consent, or that of the greater and maturer part of you. Each of the others must promise him obedience, of which one must promise he must try to make his deeds the true reflection. If the prior and brother see fit, you may have foundations in solitary places, or where you are given a site that is suitable and convenient for the observance proper to your order. Next, each one of you is to have a separate cell, situated as the lie of the land you propose to occupy may dictate, and allotted by the disposition of the prior with the agreement of the other brothers or the mature among them. However, you are to eat whatever may have been given you in a common refectory, listening together meanwhile to a reading from Holy Scripture where that can be done without difficulty. None of the brothers is to occupy a cell other than that allotted to him, or to exchange cells with another, without leave or whoever is prior at the time. The prior cell should stand near the entrance to your property, so that he may be the first to meet those who approach, and whatever has to be done in consequence may all be carried out as he may decide in order. Each one of you is to stay in his own cell or nearby, pondering the Lord's law day and night and keeping watch at his prayers unless attending to some other duty. Those who know how to say the canonical hours with those in order should do so, in the way those holy forefathers of ours laid down, and according to the church's approved custom. Those who do not know the hours must say twenty-five Our Fathers for the night office, except on Sundays and solemnities, when that number is to be doubled, so that the Our Father is said fifty times. The same prayer must be said seven times in the morning in place of louds, and seven times two for each of the other hours except for vespers, when it must be said fifteen times. None of the brothers must lay claim to anything as his own. But you are to possess everything in common, and each is to receive from the prior, that is, from the brother he appoints for the purpose, whatever benefits his age and needs. You may have as many donkeys and mules as needed, however, you may keep a certain amount of livestock or poultry. An oratory should be built as conveniently as possible among the cells, where, if it can be done without difficulty, you are to gather each morning to hear Mass. On Sundays, too, or other days if necessary, you should discuss matters of discipline and your spiritual welfare, and on this occasion the indiscretions and failings of the brothers, if any be found at all, should be lovingly corrected. You are to fast every day, except Sundays, from the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross until Easter Day, unless, bottle, uh, un, unless you are physically unable to, or some other good reason, demand a dispensation from the fast, for necessity overrides every law. You are to abstain from meat, except to fix whatever physical condition keeps you from being able to fast. But as when you are on a journey, you must often 
that more often than not beg your way outside your own houses you may eat foodstuffs that have been cooked with meat so as to avoid getting trouble to your hosts at sea however meat may be taken since man's life on earth is a time of uh, struggle and all who would live devotedly in christ must undergo tar being targeted and the devil your foes on the prowl like a roaring lion looking for prey to devour you must use every care to clothe yourselves in god's armor so that you may be ready to withstand the adversary's ambush. Your loins are to be girt with chastity, your breast fortified by holy meditations, and, for as scripture has it, holy meditation will save you. Put on holiness as your breastplate, and it will enable you to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Faith must be your shield on all occasions, and with it you will be able to quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. There can be no pleasing God without faith. And the victory lies in this, your faith. On your head set the helmet of salvation, and so be sure of deliverance by our Holy Savior, who sets his own free from their sins. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God, must be abound in your mouths and hearts. Let all you do have the Lord's word for your accompaniment. You must give yourselves to the work of some kind, so that the devil may always find you busy. No idleness on your part must give him a chance to pierce the defenses of your souls. In this respect, you have both the teaching and the example of St. Paul the Apostle, into whose mouth Christ put his own words. God made him preacher and teacher of faith and truth to the nations. With him as your leader, you cannot go astray. We lived among you, he said, laboring and weary, toiling night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you not because we had no power to do otherwise, but so as to give you, in your own selves, an example you might imitate. For the charge we gave you when we were with you was this, that whoever is not willing to work should not be allowed to eat either. For we have heard that there are certain restless idlers among you. We charge people of this kind and implore them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they earn their own bread by silent toil. This is the way of holiness and goodness. See that you follow it. The apostle would have us keep silence, for in silence he tells us to work. As the prophet also makes known to us, silence is the way to foster holiness. Elsewhere, he says, your strength will lie in silence and hope. For this reason, I lay down that you were to keep silence from after Compline until after Prime the next day. At other times, although you need not keep silence so strictly, be careful not to indulge in a great deal of talk. For scripture has it, and experience teaches no less, Sin will not be wanting where there is much talk, and he who is careless in speech will come to harm. And elsewhere the use of many words brings harm to the speaker's soul. And our Lord says in the gospel, every rash word uttered will have to be accounted for on judgment day. Make a balance then, each of you, to weigh his words in. Keep a tight rein on your mouths, lest you stumble and fall in speech, and, be f and your fall be irreparable and prove mortal. Like the prophet, watch your step, lest your tongue give offense, and employ every care in keeping silence, which is the way to foster holiness. Your brother, and whoever may succeed you as prior, must always keep in mind and put into practice what our Lord said in the gospel. Whoever has a mind to become a leader among you must make himself servant to the rest, and whichever of you would be the first must become your bondsman. You, other brothers too, hold your prior in humble reverence. Your mind's not on him, but on Christ who has placed him over you, and who, to those who rule the churches, address the words, Whoever pays you heed, pays heed to me, and whoever treats you with dishonor, dishonors me. If you remain so minded, you will not be found guilty of contempt, but will merit life eternal as fit reward for your obedience. Here, then, are the few words I have written down to provide you, with a standard of conduct to live up to. But our Lord, at his second coming, will reward anyone who does more than he is obliged to do. 
so that the bounds of common sense are not exceeded, however, for common sense is the guide of the virtues. Given at Lyons, in the year of the Lord, 1247, the fifth year of Pope Innocent IV, on the 1st of September. Given at Lyons on the 1st of October, in the fifth year of our pontificate. Pope Innocent IV, 